0: Hello and welcome to Middle East Matters here on France 24, coming up on this week's programme. It's triggered weekly mass protests and divided the nation. Israel's Supreme Court hears petitions to strike down a key plank of the hard-right government's controversial judicial overhaul. A year on from the mass protests that erupted in the wake of the death of Masa Amini, the future remains uncertain for the many Iranian Kurds who fled to Iraqi Kurdistan to escape torture and repression in Tehran. And UNESCO is accused of obscuring the site's biblical significance as Israel hits out at a proposal to list ancient Jericho as a World Heritage Site in Palestine. Well, it deepens a showdown with the far-right government that's bitterly divided the nation and put the country on the brink of a constitutional crisis. Israel's Supreme Court has opened the first case examining the legality of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's contentious judicial overhaul. The amendment in question limits the powers of the court to review or overturn government decisions. Well, to discuss, we're joined by Professor Yuval Shani from the Faculty of Law at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. He's also a former member of the UN Human Rights Committee. Great to have you with us on the programme, Yuval. Firstly, this case, it's being described as historic. These judges must effectively decide whether to accept limits on their own powers. Why is the case so significant?
1: Well, uh, it's an important case for a variety of reasons. Uh, First, like you said, this is the first uh, judicial test that the uh, overall, the judicial overall program is encountering. And in a way, uh, the court's attitude towards this first law uh, could dictate the future of this very controversial and, and problematic reform proposal. Uh, secondly, uh, the court is asked to uh, determine a very fundamental question in Israeli constitutional law, and that is when the Knesset, our parliament, is passing what are essentially constitutional amendments. Are there any limits on the majority in, um, in, in uh, establishing the contents of these amendments? And this is, of course, a very difficult question because Israel, does not have uh, a comprehensive constitution and the Knesset has been passing amendments to basic laws uh, in the same way that it passes ordinary legislation. So the question is really who has the last word uh, with respect to these basic laws? Is it the Knesset, uh, the democratic uh, representative of of the people, but operating in ordinary majority or the Supreme Court, which is serving uh, as a guardian of the constitutional values of the state? I should also note it's the first time in in our history that the entire um, 15 justices on the court are sitting to hear one case, and that adds to the importance of these hearings.
0: Yes, because the government says the court does not have the right to overturn this amendment. In your view, it's a difficult question, but does it?
1: So the court in the past did suggest that in extreme cases where uh, the Knesset is passing basic laws or basic law amendments, that cut against the very core of the identity of the state as a Jewish and democratic state, the court might have to intervene, but it has never done so up until now. So um, it it remains to be seen whether the court will uh, assess that this specific piece of legislation does cross the threshold. I think it's uh, it's important um, uh, to observe whether the court regards this piece of legislation as standing on its own. It's a very problematic legislation, but arguably in and of itself, it's not enough to qualify as uh, running contrary to the democratic nature of the state or whether the court actually sees this part, this program, this specific uh, bill as part of a larger program, which cumulatively could transform Israel from a liberal democracy with many problems, but still uh, to uh, a much more authoritarian uh, regime.
0: And what happens if this amendment is struck down? Would the government accept such a decision? There's been a lot of talk of a potential constitutional crisis.
1: So government uh, officials, including the prime minister and also the chair of parliament, who is appointed by the the same coalition, have have, have been quite circumspect as to whether they will uh, follow the decision. They, They actually suggested that the court doesn't have this authority. Uh, insinuating that they may not recognize uh, the judgment um, in any event I should say that even if the court strikes down the basic law the immediate implications uh, would be uh, no immediate implications would be felt because only when the next time when the, when the government tries to pull um, to act in ways which the court regards unreasonable like uh, firing the attorney general or uh, taking a policy decision which the courts regard as it's blatantly unreasonable, only then the, uh, the actual uh, constitutional crisis will, uh, will reveal itself in a, in a full-fledged manner.
0: Okay, Yuval, we shall leave it there for now. Thank you so much for your time on the program with us. That is Professor Yuval Shani from the Faculty of Law at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Well, this week marks the one-year anniversary of the death in custody of Masa Amini, the 22-year-old Iranian woman who was arrested by morality police for allegedly breaking hijab rules. Hundreds, if not thousands, of Iranian Kurds fled the country since the regime brutally cracked down on the mass protests that erupted after her death. Many crossed to neighboring Iraqi Kurdistan, but have failed to find the security and stability they had sought. Our correspondent in Iraq, Marie-Charlotte Rupi has been meeting some of them.
2: Masoud has been living in exile in Kurdistan's capital, Erbil, for almost a year. This 29-year-old Iranian manages to work remotely in order to survive. Last September, he demonstrated against the Iranian regime and was forced to leave his entire life behind in Tehran.
3: When I was in the demonstrations, I
2: sustained injuries from approximately 60 pellet wounds in my body. I was chased by the Revolutionary Guards, So I went to the border. I lost everything I had. Masoud is now far from his family in more ways than one. They remained loyal to the Iranian government. He now hopes to be accepted for a visa to Europe. The convictions that drove him onto the streets after the death of Masa Amini remain unwavering. I am confident that a revolution will occur, sooner or later, within Iran. The movement will continue. A revolution in Iran is inevitable. The exact number of Iranian refugees in Iraqi Kurdistan remains unknown. Some of them joined the ranks of armed Kurdish groups who have been fighting Tehran for the past 40 years. Ali became a Peshmerga after the death of Masa Amini. He refers to her using her Kurdish name. On the night
1: after 40 days of remembrance for Gina, I left a house to take part in the protests. I'm proud of it. I did this for people and for freedom. My sacrifice deny. I. I need to take my revenge.
2: Meanwhile, tensions have been rising around these armed groups. Tehran and Baghdad have now come to an agreement. An ultimatum has been set for the 19th of September for the groups to be demilitarized and the camps near the border evacuated. Our weapons are for self-defense, not for fighting or carrying out operations inside Iranian lands. Over the past years, the Islamic Republic has carried out ugly actions against us to force us to disarm. As the Deadline approaches, they're preparing for a possible Iranian military intervention, while refusing to discuss their own intentions.
0: Remains uncovered at the site date back to the Neolithic age. A mound containing the ruins of ancient Jericho could soon achieve global recognition as a cultural marvel. UNESCO is set to vote on whether to list it as a World Heritage Site after it was nominated by the Palestinian Authority. The proposal has sparked anger in Israel, which quit the UN body in 2019, accusing it of anti-Israel bias. Emerald Maxwell has more
3: the ruins of ancient Jericho or es Sultan, one of around 50 sites in the running for a place on UNESCO's World Heritage List. Located in the West Bank, around 30 kilometers from Jerusalem, the archaeological jewel has been under excavation for over a century, revealing the remains of one of the oldest continuously inhabited settlements in the world. The fortified city was founded more than 10,000 years ago.
2: Teles Es Sultan's history goes back to the entire Neolithic period and the Bronze Age. The site was then partially used during the Iron Age, followed by the Hellenistic, Roman and even Byzantine periods. The use of the spring water and its irrigation system continues until the present day.
3: But some in Israel object to the site being classified as a heritage site in Palestine MP Danny Laws criticized it as a blatant interference by UNESCO in a conflict in which it is not its role to intervene. Israel left the UN body in 2019, accusing it of anti-Israel bias. The region's archaeological heritage remains at the heart of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. This achievement is very important politically as it supports Palestinian sovereignty over Palestinian land and protects its heritage from the agenda of Israeli occupation. If Jericho's application is approved, the city will join three other UNESCO World Heritage Sites in Palestine, the Church of the Nativity and the Pilgrimage Route in Bethlehem, the cultural landscape of southern Jerusalem and the Old City in Hebron. That's it for this week's edition of Middle East Matters.
0: Stay with us for more world news here on France 24.